This episode of Promised Land uses audio clips that contain language and subject matter that are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. I've never lied to you. Your Bible is full of lies. Your sky god makes no sense. If he was all perfect, why don't he come down and do something? If he can heal everybody in a minute, why doesn't he heal them all? Why do he make all these different races to fight and to kill? Why does he bring some into the world born blind? America, 1973. Christian America. Jehovah's America. Bible America, 1973. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain by following me. Why don't you deny yourself? Why don't you deny yourself? Why don't you say yes to this cause and no to that slave system? I thank you. I thank you. I thank you because my words are spirit and my words are life. This is a revolution that will heal you. This is a father that will save you. This is one that will shepherd you through every storm. In September 1978, Leo Ryan met with House Democratic Majority Leader Jim Wright to discuss his investigative trip to Jonestown. Wright recalled, quote, Ryan did not expect if he went to Guyana and then to Jonestown that Jones would cooperate with him. He said that he believed the San Francisco newspapers would send reporters with him so that Jones's intransigence would be documented and he also hoped that the bigger newspapers like the Washington Post would do the same. Such coverage would increase the pressure on Jones to open Jonestown to visitors and also to release anyone there who wanted to leave. The House of Representatives formally recognized Ryan's trip as a congressional investigation and granted the investigation as official U.S. government business. Ryan held several meetings with the concerned relatives about his planned November trip and asked the State Department to provide briefings, but the department was still concerned of potential harassment allegations by People's Temple and were not encouraging of Ryan's trip. Ryan was very upset with the lack of cooperation and promised members of the concerned relatives that he would, quote, do something about it when he returned from Guyana. Meanwhile, in Jonestown, Mark Lane made his return, spewing to Jones that he had found more proof that the U.S. government was in fact engaged in a conspiracy against People's Temple. Tim Carter noticed Lane paid particular attention to People's Temple member Terry Buford and sent a note to Jones stating that Lane's crush on Buford, quote, could be used to our advantage, I feel. Terry Buford, who was looking for a safe and secure way to leave People's Temple, used this to her advantage and suggested to Jones that she should leave with Mark Lane to become his personal secretary and temple liaison. Jones agreed, and when Mark Lane left Guyana to head to San Francisco, Terry Buford was with him, where she would remain in San Francisco to work at the Gary Boulevard Temple offices while she planned out her escape. On September 27th, Mark Lane provided Jones with a memo titled Counteroffensive, which were plans of attack against temple enemies through legal, public relations, fundraising, and congressional counteroffensives. Lane described, quote, 
Among the suspect organizations are the Central Intelligence Agency, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Internal Revenue Service, the U.S. Post Office, the Federal Communications Commission, and their agents and employees. It is apparent that various newspapers and freelance writers or reporters for newspapers have participated wittingly or unwittingly in the coordinated effort to destroy Bishop Jones in the People's Temple. With Jones's approval, Mark Lane and Donald Freed launched the public relations counteroffensive in San Francisco on October 3rd in front of numerous reporters and camera crews. Lane said to the media, quote, to those who have wondered why People's Temple has been silent during all the long time of these attacks, I can just say that the silence has ended and the offensive has begun. And before the dust settles, we are going to learn a great deal about the conduct of the United States government against this religious organization and against their experiment in Jonestown. Lane made sure this press conference was lengthy and put on a good show for reporters. He invited questions from the press to use them to his advantage. One reporter asked about gunshots being heard in Jonestown, where Mark Lane responded with a vivid image of mercenaries coming into Jonestown wielding rocket launchers. A reporter responded with, quote, You're weaving a fabric of plausibility, and we're asking you for specifics. He was asked to provide proof of the CIA and other agencies who he claimed were working against People's Temple and Jim Jones, only for him to respond by saying, quote, where haven't CIA agents been before Jonestown? As Mark Lane had intended, coverage of the news conference only mentioned the most inflammatory accusations, and Jones couldn't have been more happy with the way it turned out. Also during the beginning of October 1978, USSR Embassy Representative Fedor Timovey finally made his visit to Jonestown in order to report back to the Soviet Union his findings to see if People's Temple would make a good fit to move to the Soviet Union. Timovey was treated to a lavish dinner where Jones made the statement that the Soviet Union was, quote, Jonestown's spiritual mother. For many years, we have let our sympathies be quite publicly known that the United States government was not our mother, but that the Soviet Union was our spiritual motherland. It is amazing that for so many years we got by saying it. But I'm glad after many hours of the kindest of benevolence of our consular of the Soviet Embassy, Fyodor Timofeyev, spending hours and hours fulfilling our highest ideals and our noblest expectations, we were not mistaken in allying our purposes, our destiny with the destiny of the Soviet Union. Although Timovey was impressed with Jonestown, telling Tim Carter, quote, Jonestown is more socialist than us, we should take lessons from you, he had stated that he has yet to receive word from his government regarding the move of Jonestown to the Soviet Union. In mid-October, Marceline left for Indiana to visit with her family. While in Richmond, she invited her parents to come back with her to visit Jonestown. 
When they agreed, she radioed ahead, requesting that her parents be told that the reason she and Jones had separate cabins was because she worked long days while Jones worked long nights. She wanted to keep the appearance of a normal and happy marriage for her parents. While she was away, Jones had selected a 19-year-old, Shonda James, as his newest lover. Though Shonda was honored that Jones had showed interest in her, she informed him that she was interested in someone else. Jones's response to this was to have her admitted to the extended care unit, where she was constantly in a drug state, only being released when Jones would request her presence in his cabin. People's Temple member Tim Tupper later said, quote, Jones fucked her whenever he wanted to. When Jones wasn't in a drug stupor himself, he focused his attention on Temple finances. He started a committee to help focus efforts on money making called the Money Making Project Committee. Jonestown finances were not enough to cover the monthly cost to keep Jonestown in the current state it was in. With constant attention being focused on public relation efforts, Jonestown as a community was suffering. There would be no way to sustain Jonestown in the long term if things continued the way they were. Gene Chaikin, when not drugged in the extended care unit, had stated in behalf of the committee, quote, We do not feel that as the community is now structured, it can ever be financially self-sufficient. We will not be self-sustaining as long as we spend most of our time fighting rear guard actions so long as we have to cover our own ass so long as PR had priority over production. Jones and the committee met to come up with new money-making methods, such as nightclubs, restaurants, and small shops. Tim Carter recalled, quote, It was decided that Jonestown might start buying businesses. We also planned two restaurants in Georgetown, and Patty Cartmel and Riviana Beam opened up a curo shop. It was ironic. The great socialist could only survive by becoming capitalists. The numbers still weren't adding up. It was estimated the extra income would bring in somewhere around $25,000 to $40,000, but Jonestown was running on a monthly minimum of $100,000. Even with Jones's foreign bank accounts totaling around $30 million, that would only sustain Jonestown for around 25 to 30 years. Jones, only being 47 at the time, knew that he would outlive this time frame and he would not go down as a failure. The only real chance Jonestown could have is to make the move to the Soviet Union. Fedor Timove was no longer being friendly with Sharon Amos when she would meet with him for updates in Georgetown. He started snapping at her when she would continue to ask for an update, stating Temple immigration had become, quote, a big headache. The Soviet government feared that a CIA agent may sneak in as a spy with the Temple Group. Though he never gave a final answer of no, he simply stated that his leaders needed more time. Regardless, Jones continued to tell his followers that a move to Russia was still in the plans. On October 26th, Marcelin and the Baldwins arrived in Jonestown. The same day Tim Carter left for San Francisco to deliver documents to be used against the concerned relatives. He was instructed to stay instead of returning to Guyana because Terry Buford had just defected. I am very emotionally disturbed with another traitor who has stolen our money. It only amounted to a few thousand dollars, but I am disturbed and that's what caused my heart attack 
someone in the States, and I'll get every last damn one of them. I want to tell you, every last damn one of them will die. They will die. I declare to you, I will not stop until every last one of them is dead, and I'm a long way from death. Even though I was three minutes dead, I'm a long way from death. Terry had been working at the Geary Boulevard Temple office in San Francisco, plotting out the perfect time to escape. She had secretly purchased a plane ticket for New York on October 30th and informed Temple staff that she had a dentist appointment that same day and time. After she arrived in New York, she called Mark Lane, who she suspected wasn't as loyal to Jones as he portrayed himself to be. Terry Buford recalled, quote, Lane said he would hide me in Memphis if in exchange I'd help him write a book about the temple. I wanted to get away where they couldn't find me, so I said I would. Mark had a little apartment in Washington, D.C., and for a while before I went to Memphis, he had me stay there. Tim Carter was assigned to track down Terry Buford. He was to pretend that he'd defected and infiltrate the concerned relatives to see if she tried to contact the group after her defection. Though Terry was not with the concerned relatives, Tim Carter still told the members that he had defected. It was then he first heard word of Leo Ryan and his plans. He spoke with Suzanne Cartmel, Jones's estranged daughter, and stated, quote, The San Francisco's Chronicle had a story about Leo Ryan planning to go to Jonestown. Suzanne was freaked by that because that information wasn't supposed to be public yet. They didn't want Jones to know. As soon as word got to Jones, Tim Carter's assignment was changed from Terry's defection to finding out as much as he could on Leo Ryan's planned visit. Tim Carter recalled, quote, Ryan's official plan was supposed to be he would come alone with no concerned relatives or media, but it seemed clear that he would be coming with lots of them. He's told concerned relatives that he expected to be turned away at the Jonestown gate, and then he would go back to the USA and schedule hearings about Jonestown starting in February 1979. He told them that the only legal authority the U.S. government would have was if American citizens were being held against their will. So if Ryan didn't get in, he would claim that. And if he did get in, and even one person left with him, and then that person testified about nobody being allowed to leave, Ryan would have proof. So either way, he'd win. Jones took this news hard, and even Marceline's mother, Charlotte Baldwin, recalled that Jones appeared, quote, very near a mental collapse. With the second defection of a key member of the temple and Leo Ryan's planned visit now being known, Jones's anger and paranoia had taken a whole new form, especially with temple punishments. Some new punishments introduced were the box, which was a six foot by four foot underground enclosure used as a sensory deprivation chamber. He also used people's fears against them, such as threatening to tie people to a stake near the jungle so the quote tiger could get them, or forcing a woman who is deathly afraid of snakes to endure a snake crawling all over her. And then of course, if those methods did not work, there was always the extended care unit. He gave my sentiments. I appreciate his leadership. He gave my sentiments. It's a goddamn shame. I can't eat cake because I got to think of the, uh, the welfare of you people because I put on weight. I put it on so badly, so easily these days. I can't uh, fuck and do it in good conscience. And I'm a son of a bitch. 
You can show me people play around and you see your goddamn face every Sunday night. Now, some people might have liked to watch the, uh, the Technicolor movie or did some reading or little chatting or little dance. They got to look at you. We all dance on your fucking head. What comes with you, woman? You start this bullshit again. You know you're not going to get by with this bullshit. Dad... You haven't been no box. You haven't been in no isolation chamber yet. Dad... Mark her down. And don't even bother to talk to her. <laughs> We're sick of it. Dad, what? Dad, uh... Last night when I you got, got that big, that great goddamn big snake that can kill her in one, 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 uh, one damn ring. Let you get that son of a bitch. That's the only thing she understands. That damn snake. Come on, hush up. What you want to say before the snake sees you? Dad, uh, last night when I got up and said that I wasn't co cooperative. That's when I was telling on myself, and I said, that's why I went... Oh, bullshit. That's why I said last night. You were caught. What you, said, what you said when you stood up, you said was, uh, Dad, I did a little something wrong today, and do you think that you, uh, the supervisors of the dorm one can make up a list of my duties for me? And I'd already told you that just to take an hour a day to make up your bed and help clean around the dorm and everything, that's what I'd asked you to do. It was very simple. And you don't do that much, and you'd refuse to do it, Kay. And when I told you to go home and do your work, you said, I'm not going. And, and you said, also said that I couldn't make you go. And you got now, very Linda smart. Now, Robinson, you're in trouble if you don't stop this harassing. The number of people I'm calling will be in the, will be in the isolation chamber, Mark Rhodes, uh, Wayne McCall. He, he's, he's adamant, won't do what he's told to do, huh? Better wake him up and tell him what's coming. Ain't gonna have all this bullshit. Give it to her. Give it to her. Give it to her. I'm sick of this shit. Let her deal with it, motherfucker. If he wants to choke her to death, that's his business tonight. I'm tired of it. You said the same thing the last time. So this is the, this is the next Turn around, look at the people. Turn around, look at the people. Talk to them. See if they will get the snake off your back. Nothing else works for this woman. Did this only last six, seven days? If you fed it to her, maybe it might, that might work. I don't know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Turn around. Turn around. 
Francis. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> now, I mean, Kate, I don't know why you think you, 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 you can put us through this every night. He about got you that time, didn't he? Yes, Dad. I'm sorry. Thank you, Dad. You haven't seen nothing yet. You know how long he gonna be? About 37 and a half feet long. He's just a baby. That's what's out there. Hi, old sweet fellow. I like him. The more I see these fuckers, the more I like them. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that grip. That's a grip. You're a good guy. Boy, they love that snake dance. She went through the snake dance in Georgetown. Fantastic. She went fantastic. The snake danced with her. Head was out dancing with her. What do you do? Shit on her? Wouldn't he know it? He would shit on me. Everybody else does. <laughs> Why didn't you shit on her? God damn it. You, 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 huh? I know, but why didn't he shit on her? shit on me too. You little fart. What's the matter with you, woman? You keep taping up our time. Speak up. I won't do any more that. I'll, I'll think. You're scared to death. I don't know how anybody, I don't know how anybody that's just so scared of life and death and snakes and bugs and every other shit and thing, why don't you behave? Hell, you're so scared of everything. Tiger? That's what we need to do. Fucking Tiger hadn't been fed tonight. Take her out the Tiger. shoved Carol Kearns in the face yesterday, abusive and threatening, called her and Karen Lindo's name, loud and mouthy in an apartment this morning, taken to coordinator's office both times, hostile to Penny, and mother? And mother? And mother? Don't you give no shit to mother? Okay. Get away. Get away. Bag him off. Bag him off. Bag him off. Yes, son. Um, Dad. Yesterday we was in the pavilion sitting over here. The only people to sign these proper forms starting now. He was saying yesterday that he can control all the children better than these bitches around here. Well, he had his chance. He had his chance, and he fucked it up bad. Fat bitch in the um, dining area over there. Called her a black bitch. A fat bitch. Fat bitch. I also heard that he was talking to someone else. 
to Vincent. Vincent said he couldn't win with 800 people. And you said. Will he reply that the way to do it is take one person at a time? You punks. You goddamn punks want to just tear up our organization. Who are you going to take one at a time? Who you want, man? About what George Jackson that when they when they isolate him that only way don't you dirty the name of George Jackson. Don't you don't you dirty the name of George Jackson. If George Jackson had had this movement, he'd be alive. Don't you dirty his name. You're not worthy of his goddamn name. Don't you speak his name, you prick. Don't you mention it. Because this organization would have saved George Jackson. It's pricks like you that sold him down the river that caused him to be dead. You're not a George Jackson. You're a punk. You goddamn miserable punks, you gangsters that want to identify with George Jackson. And if he'd had some of you miserable punks working with him, he wouldn't have been killed by the pigs. If he'd had this organization, he talked about it. You haven't read his books. He talked about this kind of organization we have. You miserable goddamn punk. Don't you ever dirty his name again until you can learn to cooperate and follow rules, you miserable punk. And he said, like, only way you can survive, like, you be in a box. If you take off your clothes, keep on putting them back on, you never, you know, lose your head, nothing like that. And he thinks he's going to survive in the box. Oh, he's great, great, Dad. great punk. Um, well, we put him in the fucking box with the frog tonight. Then see if you can stay away from the frog. One touch of the fucking frog. How about that, Willie boy? Big old ganglang, Willie boy. How about, the, how, about, how, about, how about going in the box tonight with the frog? Dan, um, how about the frog? Truthfully, why don't you get the frog? Why don't you put your hand in there with the frog? Yeah. Come on, Willie boy, put your hand in there. Put your hand in there. Put your hand in there. Put your hand in there, Willie boy. We might as well be free from you. Nobody else see it. Nobody else see it. Thank you, Billy. I told you to, right? Dad, when you're talking about being a crazy. Got no problem. It's your problem. You touch a frog, you're dead. You take anything. How about Willie? How about Willie? Want to touch a frog tonight, Willie? You punk, you goddamn gangland punk. You've caused us trouble week after week, month after month. Got my blood pressure boiling, punk! Ah, right. oh, see, he's tough. He's tough. He can handle anything. Handle his frog, Willie. I know handle I can, Dan. Handle it, pup. To open up and take it. Hmm? You want to die, do you, Willie? I don't give a shit tonight. Want to die, Willie? No, I don't, Dad, but I'm huh? not afraid to. What's that? I don't want to die, but I ain't afraid to. Well, then go ahead and die. I don't want to. Huh? I don't want to. Here, big, big, big chump. Hold it. Let's take it through. The son of a bitch jump out. Dad, um. What about it? Dad, um, you know, like I said, I don't want to. You know, I said, that I was just um, pissed at the time. I mean, I didn't say it was your fault. I mean, at first I tried to um, hold it against you that how come I didn't get off the crew? 
but I didn't feel it was your fault. I felt it was pinning them because they didn't give you the no. right information. And no, no, no. Last rally, last rally, last rally. No, it's no two days. Well, it's your it's your whole attitude, and you know, and you don't never exhibit a good you're attitude. You're not afraid to die. You're not afraid to die, no, and, no. and you're not standing for anything. I'd be ashamed to die if I were you. Defying an organization for socialism, I'd be ashamed to die. Dad, um, quit talking. Uh, you, you, I, what, what reason we got to think you won't change? I, I think you. I don't think you will change where you're going. Dad, uh, if if it was some other way, you know, I I feel that everybody's up here, you know, um, hitting. Them. I mean, I'd rather let some senior that has some pain, not Sebastian and the rest of these guys. I mean, no. I mean, I know you're gonna kick my ass, but you know. Yeah, well, you don't know that any other time. You so one at a time. You're talking about our pain. You're talking about our seniors' pain. If you were talking about our seniors' pain, you wouldn't be up here keeping them up at 1 o'clock in the morning. You want the seniors? You want the seniors? Dad, really? John, get out of the way. Let the seniors have it. So tough now. All right, all right, all right. All right. You want you want some more of the seniors? No, I appreciate better than these rest of these guys. You, oh, you want to you want to keep you want to keep you want to keep being you want to keep being smartass, huh? You want to keep being smartass? I have put those people in charge, motherfucker. You goddamn prick. I'm the one to put that in there. Fucking punk. We ain't fucking up all the time like you. So don't you come across like we ain't shit, you goddamn son of a bitch. Back up here. Back up here. Back up here now, George. Back up here, George. I mean, Stephen. Back up here. Back up. Now hold it. And if you will, and you say, look, goddammit, I'm going to, I will trust you people. It's going to be hard because I haven't done it in the past, but I will trust, I will be straight, I will request help, and I'll be honest about my hostilities, and I'll deal with my hostilities in safe situations and responsible ways, and we say, fine, hey, we got no damn trouble with you now at all. But I'm concerned about your hostility level because I think you're still hostile as hell. And as long as you're hostile as hell and haven't come to grips with this and found a better way to channel it, I don't think you're safe outside that box. Well, I'm sorry. I have seen hostility, uh, a whole hell of a lot of hostility, and you have masked it quite well. I mean, you mask it. You cover it up. You try to come off as the passive, quiet, almost meek child. But sister, it's there, a lot of it. And I'm not deceived by it. In fact, the only way I'm gonna be convinced at all that, that this thing is dealt with is that you can come out with it and deal with it, discuss it, describe it, show what triggers it off and come up with some responsible alternatives for the way of handling it. Because I wouldn't consider this therapy at all successful unless we're able to do that. Masking it does not deceive me at all. Why don't you think on it? I'll get back to you later. Uh, I see.
What kind of, what's that medication for? Has he got some kind of condition it treats? I don't know. You don't know, huh? That's interesting. You seem to, uh, judging from the tone of your voice, though, you seem to be fairly mellow right now. You, you feel that way generally? Yeah, except when there's a lot of racket. Except you which? Except when there's a lot of noise. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we're really sorry that somebody threw a dirt clod and hit the side of your box a while ago. We, uh, we've caught the culprits that were responsible for that. I, I find that really very unexcusable. And I'm sorry it happened. I think it's really unfair and unthoughtful for kids to do that. I get, I must be losing track of it. I thought I was doing better. I tried to hold my tongue, but it wasn't good enough. I don't see why you can't. Put your hands down. I don't know what you're saying anything. I come, you can't keep your, you keep your mouth shut and do your work. Huh? How come you can't keep your mouth shut and do your work and stay off of Do the right thing, say the right thing, or do the right thing. Dad gave you a chance. Dad gave you time. Come on, Laura. God damn, when you say something, Okay. On November 1st, Leo Ryan formally wrote to Jones, letting him know of his intended visit. In his letter, he wrote that he acknowledged that, quote, My office has been visited by constituents who are members of your church and who expressed anxiety about mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, who have elected to assist you in the development of your church in Guyana. It goes without saying that I am most interested in a visit to Jonestown. Leo Ryan asked that Jones respond to Ambassador Burke at the embassy in Georgetown. Five days later, Mark Lane replied to Leo Ryan's letter on behalf of Jones and the People's Temple, stating that various government agencies have been persecuting the church, and that the church currently had two offers to relocate to foreign nations of Cuba and the USSR. Mark Lane stated, quote, You may judge, therefore, the important consequences which may result in the creation of a most embarrassing situation for the U.S. government. Mark Lane did not dismiss a visit from Leo Ryan, but instead requested a discussion to be had to arrange a date. Leo Ryan's response to Mark Lane was no longer cordial. He wrote, quote, No persecution, as you put it, is intended, Mr. Lane, but your vague reference to the creation of the most embarrassing situation for the American government does not impress me at all. Leo Ryan was coming to Guyana either way, and Mark Lane made it clear that he wanted to meet Leo Ryan in advance, and if he were allowed into Jonestown, that Mark Lane would accompany him. The Guyanese government was not thrilled with Leo Ryan's future visit. They viewed it as a congressman looking for publicity. Kit Nascimento said, quote, The American embassy contacted us on Ryan's behalf to seek protection for him while he was in Guyana. 
Our response was, protect him from what? Burnham's attitude towards Ryan's visit was these people in Jonestown have broken no laws of Guyana. If you want to interview some of them, get their permission. You can't just show up here. Demand that our government follow all of your instructions and make them let you in. Burnham refused to intervene in any way. On November 7th, the Jonestown basketball team left for Georgetown, where they were scheduled to play a few games against the Guyanese national team over the next few weeks. Jones initially refused to allow them to go, but with Marcelin's help explaining to Jones that it would be good for the Guyanese government to see that all was well in Jonestown. Jones finally let them leave, but not before explaining to them and the other settlers, quote, I heard some congressman wants to come here. I think I'll tell him to stick it. In private, Marcelin and Temple lawyers were trying to convince Jones to let Ryan visit Jonestown that it would turn into bigger issues in hearings if he were not allowed access to Jonestown. Marcelin explained to Jones that they had nothing to hide in Jonestown, and if some of their people decided to leave with Leo Ryan, then let them. Jones wasn't convinced, and made sure he radioed ahead to members working in the Georgetown office to not allow Leo Ryan any access. Most People's Temple members were unaware if Leo Ryan was indeed going to be allowed access to Jonestown or not, and many who had been wanting to escape began their planning. Some families began preparing to ask for Leo Ryan's protection and aid to leave, while other families planned to use the attention Leo Ryan would bring as a means to be able to escape into the jungle without being seen. It was at this time when Carolyn Layton wrote a memo to Jones titled, quote, A Final Stand If Decided On. In it, Carolyn mentioned that the moment and method of group death was crucial. She wrote, quote, How do you convince Stephen, or would you? How will you have the knowledge to know? Now is the time to go ahead and do it. Do you give everyone pills? It would, I presume, have to be a kind of last-minute thing. She spoke of wanting to be able to plan in advance, to have the opportunity to burn what needed to be burned while organizing other documents that she would think would be important to be found after their deaths. Her fear was that a mass suicide would not be seen as sincere or historic. She stated, quote, I know we can't worry about how what we do will be interpreted. Maybe in some 50 years, someone will understand and perhaps be motivated. I don't have much illusion about all that. I just hate to see it all go for naught. Jones called the Temple office in Georgetown and sent the order for the basketball team to return to Jonestown. They didn't want to leave as their games against the Guyanese national team had not been finished, but Jones insisted. Steve and Jones finally refused on their behalf. Jones told Stephen that everyone on the team were to avoid Leo Ryan and anyone else who might be coming with him. On November 13th, Jones claimed that all the concern over Leo Ryan had caused him eight sleepless nights, though it was more likely he was up due to amphetamines. For whatever reason, Jones was more ill-tempered than ever. Jones was accompanied everywhere by his bodyguards at this point. Here comes this man into our community and we face them coming in secretly, some of them coming in that we know on plane, commercial plane, which will be easier to handle. But some coming in secretly, some may be coming in at night, 
everyone needs to be where they belong day or night because these are serious people this is the kind of conversation they say they have turned so bad that they say we are communist we are degenerate we are against Christ and we have to kill some of them and even some of the children it's worthwhile to save some other children it makes no difference how many we have to kill we will kill to destroy and if it provokes them to kill each other we will do that Jones still remained adamant that Leo Ryan should not be allowed access to Jonestown but Richard Trope thought it was best to start preparing for the arrival it was his thought that if they were allowed in they might as well make a good impression Trope gathered other leaders and sent out memos to have all trash cleaned up children's artwork displayed that quote reflect variety and creativity to counteract propaganda about our people being mind programmed our aim should not merely be to present a clean and neat jonestown and defend against their lies but to educate this congressman to open his eyes to what we are doing here no quiet controlled setup shit back in california leo ryan had his final meeting with concerned relatives he went over all allegations and decided which were best to raise with the Guyanese officials as well as who he should talk to if he were to gain access to Jonestown, though he still expected to be refused. On Tuesday, November 14th, Tim Carter returned to Jonestown from California as well as Leo Ryan flying into Guyana. With him, he brought his staff members, Jackie Spear and James Scholart. Nine members of the media, including Tim Reiterman and photographer Greg Robinson of the San Francisco Examiner, Ron Havers of the San Francisco Chronicle, producer Bob Flick, cameraman Bob Brown, sound technician Steve Sung, and reporter Don Harris of NBC, the Washington Post, Charles Krauss, and Gordon Lindsay of the National Enquirer. Concerned relatives sent Tim and Grace Stone, Howard and Beverly Oliver, Stephen Katsaris and his son Anthony, Sherwin Harris, the former husband of Sharon Amos, and the father of Leanne Harris, Nadine Houston and her daughter Carol Houston Boyd, former Gang of Eight members Jim Cobb, Mickey Touche, and Wayne Pitella, and Claire Bouquet, as well as Bonnie Burnham, who had no family members in Jonestown, but had a close friendship with Marcelin, and it was thought she may help ease tensions and convince Jones to cooperate. No one knew if they were going to gain access to Jonestown other than Jones himself, but they arrived with hope that at least some of them might be able to enter. On the evening of November 15th, Temple members at the Georgetown office were startled to see a middle-aged man climbing over the wall at the back of their yard. Leo Ryan had arrived uninvited to the office after having a frustrating day with Guyanese officials refusing to help him get into Jonestown. At the moment, Temple lawyers were refusing him access into Jonestown, and as a last-ditch effort, he wanted to try his luck with the members who resided at the Georgetown office. Sharon Amos told Leo Ryan that he was trespassing on private property and had asked him to leave. He assured Sharon that he meant Jones and the People's Temple no harm, that if everyone there were all right and residing there voluntarily, that he would assure the worried relatives and the matter would be settled. 
He spoke with other members at the office, all of whom assured him that they were fine. Sharon Amos informed him that Jones was ill and could not see Ryan at the moment, and Leo Ryan was content with that. Hell fire, we've been through 84 white nights. Start to look at, what are we going to say to him in the first place? What are we going to say to some bitch coming here? Where's your, where do you, what do you believe? We believe in that Jesus saves? No, I don't know what Jesus, about anything about Jesus saves. What are we going to tell him about a church? Say we're not, we have, we, he's got a responsibility to look at the IRS. You can't win, I'm telling you, with this kind of a brick. You can't win. Our children treat him all nice. He met the basketball team. Come tripping in our house at midnight last night. At midnight. Then come tripping in there and telling Sharon Amos, he said, I've heard a lot of dirty stuff about you. And I'm going to talk to you privately. I said, tell him to go to hell and, uh, and get lost. You don't have to tell him anything. He's not your counselor. He's not your goddamn priest. He thinks he's sent down here from the Holy Father of Rome and the Constitution and the Monroe Doctrine gives him a privilege to go everywhere he wants to. It also gives me the right to shoot him in the ass with one of the Tom Grubbs' arrows. So if you want to see your congressman tomorrow, stick around. He may come in. I don't know how long he'll stay. And I don't know what necessarily will take place in what kind of sequential arrangement. But I can assure you that if he stays long enough for tea, he's going to be ready. Jones soon learned who had come to Guyana with Leo Ryan. He wasn't happy with the media accompanying Ryan, but he was particularly furious that he brought Tim and Grace Stone with him. Temple lawyers Lane and Geary were having a hard time getting Jones to allow Ryan into Jonestown. They tried explaining to him that it would be easier for media to cover that he allowed him into Jonestown, and if a few members left with him, it would be okay rather than him refusing access. They explained that what would be covered couldn't be any worse than what Debbie Layton revealed when she defected. Still, Jones was adamant about not letting visitors and closed himself off from everyone in his cottage with communications only by phone through the Jonestown radio cabin. Negotiations between Leo Ryan and Temple lawyers continued for two days when Ryan decided to take a different approach. He mentioned that when he was in the Georgetown office, he did not see a single religious picture or item, that if they were a church, surely there would be some religious item or mention of God, that maybe if he was denied access, he could go back to the States and look into whether People's Temple should be allowed to have a religious tax exemption status or not. This gave Lane and Gary a new argument to use to convince Jones to allow Leo Ryan into Jonestown. Friday morning, Jones was still closed up in his cabin. Marcelin had called Jones and was in a heated argument with him in front of Tim and Mike Carter in the radio cabin, which was very unlike her. Tim Carter said, quote, She said that we should be proud of what we built, so let's show what we have. Marcelin got really mad at Jones. She said, I'm the only one who's kept this together, not you. I'd been around them for years, and I'd never heard them argue before. Marcy challenging him in front of anyone was very, very different. It was Marcelin's words that changed things. Though Jones never actually agreed to allow Leo Ryan access, it was the changing point where Marcelin and Temple lawyers decided to no longer accept Jones's decision of keeping Ryan out. Lane and Gary gave Leo Ryan the approval to come into Jonestown and bring with him whoever he chose, but made sure they explained to him 
that there was no guarantee of who would actually be allowed into Jonestown aside from Leo Ryan himself. Ryan acquired a twin-engine plane from the Guyanese government that would end up seating 19 passengers. Leo Ryan, Jackie Spear, The Press, Mark Lane, and Charles Geary, U.S. Deputy Chief of Mission Richard Dwyer, Guyanese government information officer Neville Annaborn, and four of the concerned relatives, Beverly Oliver, Jim Cobb, Carol Boyd, and Anthony Katsaris. The plane took off from Georgetown at about 2.30 p.m. Friday afternoon and made its one-hour journey to Port Kaituma, where passengers were greeted by grim-looking Jonestown residents. After speaking briefly with the residents, Mark Lane informed Leo Ryan that only he, Charles Geary, Leo Ryan, Jackie Spear, and Richard Dwyer would be allowed into Jonestown and that everyone else would have to wait in Port Kaituma. Marcelin was one of the first to greet the guests as they entered Jonestown. Ryan declined a tour as he wanted to meet with Jones right away. After a 90-minute wait, Jones in his dark glasses appeared. Ryan explained to Jones that it would be best to allow everyone access to Jonestown to prove the rumors of a prison camp were wrong. Jones agreed to allow everyone access aside from one reporter, Gordon Lindsay of the National Enquirer. Jonestown residents worked extra hard to have everything prepared for their visit. Kitchen staff worked long hours baking to be able to serve freshly baked bread and baked goods. Jonestown was cleaned from top to bottom to make a good impression on the congressman. Tim Carter recalled, quote, Jonestown had never looked so good. For one thing, before it's finished, I love you, and that love has carried you thus far, and it can carry you on. Be a beast, don't talk to any of these people unless you're asked to, and tell them how happy you are, you tell them what your food is, how much food, how much meat that we eat. We have all kinds of varieties of foods, fruits, every day, every day. And we have everything we need, and you wouldn't go back to the United States if someone would give you a ticket tomorrow. Please listen. And if anyone is not called by them to see them, if they don't seek out, do not talk to them. And some of you who are not brothers of them do not have to. You can say hello and move out of their way. Move out of their way. Please listen to your father. Move out of the way. This is a voice of a high-minded Listen to me. 
Listen to me. I had no sleep in eight hours, but I'm still very alert. In eight days, I had no sleep to speak of. Please listen to me. To take the letters or whatever the hell and be cordial, but don't be a lot of them. Don't show a lot of demonstration. Say, we're going to have to prove yourself because we know you've lied in newspapers. We have advance warning that you have lied in the newspapers. You lied in the radio, that you lied on the TV. Do not be taken in. Please do not be taken in. John must be taken to safety. John must be taken to safety. The coordinating committee that trusted so much, please move. Please move. Uh, in another hour or two before after they hit that gate, please move. We must not have an incident over one child. I don't want to sacrifice the entire community over my child, the one I'd sacrifice the community over my life. Relax, we have come through this. They're just trying to provoke a damned incident. They want an incident, so they have more room to bring back more of these thugs, these Yankee thugs that come. We can show our patriotism in our song by singing the Guyana anthem and also the uh, uh, the song about America that we sing, Oh, Spain, oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain. We're not a menace to anybody. We're a peace-loving people. We have not tried. That's why I told you to put your weapons down. We don't want any weapons. We don't want to have any holocaust with our own people. This is exactly what the CIA wants, a fight between us and our own people. No internal struggle. Marshall will give you further additional information. Please listen. Please listen. I only wish I were not so tired. I can help you immediately. But you have to listen to me by PA system. I'm very alert, and I'll be able to handle the situation when the time comes. I love you. If anything goes wrong, I love you. Know that you've never been loved so much, not one-tenth so much as I love you now. And I'll give my life for you if that'll help. Whatever the hell will help, I'll give my life for you. But please follow instructions. Again, I say, do not go near any of these people. Don't go near any of these people. You can shake hands if they come to shake hands, but don't say, if they ask you you're happy, say yes. They ask you how much you eat. Well, we eat everything in the world. We have plenty to eat. We have the best medicines in the world. You can talk about that. Promised Land is a cool-down media podcast. All audio clips for Promised Land come from the Jonestown Institute. For more information, visit their website at jonestown.sdsu.edu. Follow us on social media at Promised Land Cast and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.